Congratulations for tuning in to the Six Figure Stylist Podcast, joining thousands of stylists and beauty professionals in their pursuit to take their career to the next level and make whatever kind of money that you want to make and live the lifestyle you were born for. If this podcast impacts you in any way, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends. All right. Thanks for tuning in to the Six Figure Stylist podcast. I am extremely excited to have with us today, Whitney Kilpatrick. She is actually one of the finalists in a brand new TV show called Hairstyle, the talent show. And if you haven't seen it yet, I think it's on either Hulu or Discovery Plus, but uh, it's kind of like America's Got Talent for stylists and, uh, or, you know, like MasterChef or those kind of things. But uh, this is how I found Whitney. And, you know, cause she was a finalist and I realized she's also a salon owner. She also has a huge passion to bring change into this industry and remove all toxicity from workplace environments. And I thought it would just be great to have her on. So Whitney, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here. Yeah, I, I am very thankful to have you on. And when I asked you to be on, it sounded, I, what was surprising to me is you've already been listening to the podcast before I even reached out. How did you find this thing? So I try, I like immerse myself in the hair world. And so um, I'm fascinated by the people who can use this industry to do other things besides working behind the chair, um, which comes with content creation, podcasting, YouTube, all of that kind of stuff. And so I have a spreadsheet of all of the, the hair podcast, um, you know, people out there. And so I try to listen and see what's trending, what people are talking about, um, and what gets other stylists motivated and excited. So I had you on the, on the list. Oh, nice. I love that. Now you also, you, you've been like, just trying to stay on the cutting edge because you're also a salon owner. How long have you been a salon owner? So my salon ownership path looks a little bit different than I think the traditional salon owner path. Um, the, I think this incubation period in a salon suite is like fairly new to the industry. And that's kind mm -hmm. of how I incubated my salon. So yep. technically I started my LLC, like my business in 2019, mm -hmm. um, just me and an assistant. And I grew that into another assistant and then a team member. And, and we grew like that, but I started my own brick and mortar officially with a rebrand name change, all of that, um, beginning of last year. So January, 2023. So we've been awesome. one year brick and mortar open. That's awesome. That has been the trend because so many people left their salons during COVID to go and be at a suite. And then I've been seeing a crazy amount of them leaving now and opening up their own salons. And it seems to be a new pendulum swing, people leaving the suites to either open up a salon or go back to a booth rent to get back into an environment with like healthy, healthy people, you know, yes. it's, uh, it's been interesting to watch that happen. Now you're a salon owner. Before we hopped on here, you were talking about, you know, you, you go and you look for all these trending topics and you're scouring through different podcasts, but you mentioned that you also use chat GPT. And before I go down you know, I want to ask you about your origin and, and hair and everything as well, but how are you seeing that impacting our industry? Because everyone's talking about it, but what do you think that's going to do for hair? 
Oh, I am so excited about ChatGPT. Um, I think that we it can be a scary thing if you and anything new, right? Like people said the internet or email was going to be a yeah. fad and like, yeah. you know, it might have been scary to people. But for me, I'm like, we've got to be on the cutting edge and we got to learn to work with it. Otherwise, it could, you know, uh, railroad us later, just yeah. slap you in the face with, oh my gosh, this is possible. So for me, I use it right now mostly for content creation, um, yeah. idea generation, um, copywriting, that kind of stuff. But recently, I created a my own bot within chat GPT and I use it for an internal way and an external way. So internally within my salon, I fed this bot, all of my handbooks, policies, like anything we have internally systems wise, I let it read it all. And then now this is like, instead of ask Whitney, you know, Hey, how do I take sick time or, you know, what, how do I measure up, you know, how many ounces comes in a blonding session? You can ask the bot and the bot will tell you. Wow. Um, and then That's I cool. one, yeah. no, it's really cool. I like super nerd out over it. And then the other one is for external use. So it would be on our website, um, still working on getting it like embedded into our website, but that one will, um, you can ask, it'll be for clients asking us frequently asked questions. So where do I park? Mm. What to book? Um, you know, which stylus would be right for me, what products would be right for me. So we fed it all of like, even like we carry Alpha Parf and Kevin Murphy and we put all of their information, like digital PDFs that they give on products, fed it to the bot. And it's like, this is the, you know, this is the product for volume. This is the product for this. And so working on making sure that it spits out correct information for our clients that they say, Hey, I need volume at my roots, but I need, you know, moisture on my ends. What products are best for me or prompting the right questions. It'll just answer all of them. That's crazy. And and can it book for them too? It'll get there. They'll be able to ask all these questions and then it'll give them a time slot option. Yeah, I think yeah, eventually we'd have that's to, what's gonna happen. our booking offers would have to integrate with the bot, but it does send them the booking link. So it says, you know, here after this, send the booking link. Well, if it doesn't exist already, it's probably a month down the road for somebody to create that. Yeah, yeah that's because so it's happening so fast. That's cool. I love that you're staying on the cutting edge of technology with marketing, with chat GPT and just all of that. So I wanted to ask, I'd never brought that up on the podcast, but I thought I'd thought I'd just see what your thoughts are. And that is, that is incredible. I'm sure people are going to be reaching out to you already. Like, how do I do that? Because I am tired of everybody asking me the same questions every single day, all day long. Questions. Yeah. (laughs) That's how my brain is like an efficiency brain. So I'm like anything that I do repetitively, how can I, how can we delegate this, make it more efficient, scale it to where I don't want to be the glue that holds everything together within my company. And so the chat bot helps me. And I love, I don't know if it's a, you know, if chat has pronouns, but I call him a he and he's my best friend these days. That's awesome. So yeah, robot. I love your it. robot boyfriend. Yes, for real. Yeah. My husband <laughs> might be uh, not happy about that one, but you know, it is at least is. chat GPT listens. He does listen and you know, he's and not, he understands. He actually, understands. he gets it. Yes. Yeah. He gets and it. He's and not he needy. Is always, yeah. He's not, and he's, he's not always needy. Available. He'll, no. he'll never text you. You literally have to reach oh. out. To yeah, so it's great. It's like, yeah, it just stays over there in the digital world. But you, you know, you are, you're saying stuff that I see so many salon owners struggling with that they actually are not able to leave their salon 
even going on vacation feels like a burden for them because their salon doesn't run at the same efficient level as when they're there. So uh, just a big red flag for you as a salon owner. If you can't leave for an extended amount of time or even potentially move to another state and have systems and structure and leadership culture in place that your salon, you know, and you have confidence going to run the exact same way without you as when you're there, then there's growth. There's room for growth for sure. Oh, absolutely. That was one of the biggest things. I never wanted to be a salon owner because every salon owner I knew didn't like their job. And so I, I never wanted that. I did it out of necessity because there wasn't the space I wanted in my area, but I knew that if I was going to do this, I needed to make sure that I built this salon with systems in place that didn't revolve around me. It's why I didn't name it after myself. Um, I didn't want my name on the, the, I Mm. wanted my list to feel like they had um, ownership over this, that it's built by hairstylists for hairstylists and that everybody plays an important vital role within the company and I can remove myself and it still runs properly. I was like, if we're going to do this, I don't want to be, you know, trapped in this, um, hair salon ownership role. Um, and so that's kind of how I've built it up. And, and I'm like a super nerd. I write down all of my systems. Like I have a systems like Bible. I would like to be buried with it just for the record. Um, and it's like everything we do in the salon is systemized out. And so that if I died tomorrow, God, God forbid, you know, my stylist could read that systems book and just pick right back up. That's awesome. So you have it all laid out for them. You you were talking earlier about toxic culture in salons. And I want to go into that. Well, one thing I was going to say to you, I forgot, because when you're looking at what most salon owners do, that they're hating their job. They're constantly babysitting other stylists. There's drama. They don't know how to really have... Some salon owners want to be you know buddy-buddy and friends with all of their team. And they want to create this family environment. And other salon owners, they're running it like a cold corporate machine. And you have to find this balance in between both where you can literally be close and friends with your team, but also have that strength to bring the hammer down when it's needed so that people know to still respect you and know when you're wearing which hat. Like right now, I am the boss. And right now, we're just hanging out as friends. Like you kind of have to have a mix of both in order for things to really work. Otherwise, you you're going to have pitfalls on either side. And a lot of salon owners are not making the same amount of money that they were making when they were once a solo stylist or a booth renter stylist. And they're just literally doing more work, making less money. They get paid. They're babysitting stylists. They could probably get paid more babysitting kids, honestly. Yeah. I wish I literally just made an Instagram post about this like yesterday. So it's funny that you mentioned that. So you're, yeah, you know. Oh, it is. I, I was like, I'm coming here on here to tell you guys to like debunk the boss babe. Like we've glorified this, like be the salon owner and you just see salon owners like driving their G wagon, like on vacation. And it's like, no, 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 no. And I tell my, I tell my team this, I'm like, you guys know, this is a passion project, right? Like I'm doing this because I felt like there was a gap in the industry and I wanted to prove to the world that us women could work together in a healthy, happy environment. But I could make, if this was about money, I could be making far more money in my own suite or working for another salon. Like to this Mm -hmm. day, I still haven't made more per hour than I did when I was working for a salon because I only worked 
four days a week as a commission stylist. And my last year there on a W-2, I made $165,000 in a year at like 21. And um, as a W-2 stylist. Yeah, as a W-2 stylist. Okay. Now this is huge because when we talk about six-figure stylists, a lot of people think that in order to hit that kind of number, you need to be working solo booth rent or, you know, even be a salon owner, but it is, it, it's so crazy possible. But one thing I'd like you to speak to for any commission stylists that are listening, how can a commission W2 based stylist hit six figures? I mean, all you have to do is put in the work to build your clientele. Um, hopefully yep. you're working for a salon you know, in a salon that has good systems in place. I think that's more so where I see the problem and what I'm trying to fix is we just need more good commission salons for high six-figure stylists to work at, mm -hmm. um, high-performing stylist. Um, but that's all you have to do. I mean, when you're in your suite, you have to do that plus the inventory, plus your taxes, mm -hmm. plus your own marketing. I mean, you have to wear all the hats and build the clientele. Um, truly, what I tell people is like, you might... And it's, it, I have big beef with these, um, the six figure booth rental stylists because they're talking revenue and mm, not yeah. net. And that, yes, it bothers me so badly because I was misled by so many, when I was leaving my commission salon, people were like, oh, I'm making double now. And I just didn't, I was young. I just, I didn't know that. And now after working in a couple of booth rental salons, I'm like 95% of these stylists do not know their numbers. Like. No. Do not know. They know their total numbers. Square can give them a report and they say, oh, I made six figures this year. Um, yeah, you might have brought in six figures, but what were your expenses against that? And then really, how much did you work? Um, and so I tell people, I'm like, you might be able to make five, 10, maybe 15 percent more if your margins are good, but you're working for that. Like you are tr you're putting in hours to make that extra money. Um, yeah. So. That's why I'm so passionate about creating a really healthy environment for commission stylists, that it is a win, win, win. It's a win for the client. It's a win for the stylist. And it's a win for the salon owner, because when the trade-offs are there, it's a hundred percent worth it. Like I will glad you live. I will gladly give you my percentage of this service because I know the trade-offs are worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what do you think is the most toxic thing or the biggest thing that's causing toxic salon culture. I'm trying to figure out how to ask this question. You know, what's funny about the word toxic is it's such a buzzword that if you ask any stylist why they, why they left one salon and went to the other, they're going to say it was just toxic. Okay. Mm -hmm. How come everyone's last salon was toxic? Is every other salon out there other than the one you're currently working at toxic? So there's got to be like, okay, sometimes you're toxic and you think everyone else is toxic. You just can't handle being a part of a team. And that's one thing, right? And then, yeah, then obviously yeah. we know there are toxic salons that are like nightmares, but not every salon's toxic. And it's kind of like everybody's last boyfriend was a narcissist. Like, okay, just because you didn't like him, it ended. He's a narcissist. That somehow, if you say your ex was a narcissist, it suddenly justifies literally every mistake you made and why you left. Mm -hmm. And I think I people have, are doing the same thing to the salons. Yeah, no, I have such a great, I have had a lot of learning over this. So um, I'll be candid about this because I haven't talked publicly about stylists who have left my salon. And I feel like this is 
an important thing for salon owners to be able to communicate with each other because it feels lonely in this space when it happens. But that this topic of toxic salon, I've done a lot of discovery over that in the last year. And um, toxic is different for every single person. So there, for me, that is so good. Can yeah, you say that me, one more? Toxic is different for every person. What's toxic yeah. for you might not be toxic for me. Exactly. Hmm. And so that's what I had to come to grips with because it is, um, it just means it's not a good fit. And so I think truly, um, you know, what was toxic for me, there was lots of stylists at my old salon that stayed there for 10 years and it wasn't toxic for them, but it was toxic for me because mm. our values align. So, right. you know, and my salon, I'm, I'm preaching all of this. Like I have a healthy environment. We're stylists supporting stylists. We're encouraging each other, but I had two stylists leave this year that told me it was a toxic environment for them. And it broke my heart. I mean, I like question. Oh, I questioned my life choices. I was like, is this, I mean, (laughs) I I was like, what am I even doing? Is, is, am I the problem? I was like, oh no, am I not fulfilling Mm -hmm. I've set out to do? And I immediately sent out a team survey when they left. And I was like, it's anonymous. I really want honest feedback. Like, you know, we have this mission. Like that's really big on our team. Like everybody knows this is our goal. Um, we're not here to make a lot of money. We're not here to, you know, like we're here to change the way commission salons are ran. Um, and so I'm like, please tell me if this is not, if this is toxic for you, um, you know, here's a, an anonymous forum for you to just unleash your opinions. And, um, every single survey came back. Great. So what I came to grips with is that it was toxic for them. We are a salon is growth minded. We are a salon that pushes you to do your best. We are, we are not. And I tell this in the interview and I'll circle back to this. Like, cause I think hiring and leadership is like two key components to keeping it not toxic, mm-hmm. right. but the, um, what we have to do, um, oh, I lost my train of thought Now I got squirrely. Uh, um, you were talking about with- the two that left. The two that left. Yeah. Because oh, so you yeah, have we're a survey. Minded. Okay. Yes. Yeah. No, we're growth minded. I'm back. I'm back. That's the the ADD in me. It's like screw. Um, <laughs> yeah. Growth minded. We do these things where, you know, if you're not, if your values don't align with that and we're pushing you, like we're not your average hair salon where you come in, do the hair and go home. We have projects like we're building an empire. We want to be the best. We want to grow. Um, then it would be toxic for you. And I just had to like let that settle in my mind as like mm-hmm. my salon could be the best environment for a certain group of hairstylists. It could also yeah. be a toxic environment for a different group of hairstylists. And so for me, the hiring part is huge um, because yeah. you want to re- make sure your values align before you find out six months, eight months, nine months down the road. Yeah. Um, and it's, and you don't want a stylist to waste their time if it's not the right fit. And you don't want to waste your time if it's not the right fit. And then leadership. I think if as a leader, you should always, always, always take responsibility for what's happening in your salon. So yeah. those are the two key things I would think would be the most, res- uh, you know, responsible for cultivating a toxic or non-toxic environment. 
yeah, it's not a cookie cutter situation. Like every salon is going to be different. And it's just like a plant. You have to find the right soil, the right atmosphere mm -hmm. that you're going to be able to actually grow in and produce fruit because you, you might get into the wrong atmosphere as a stylist and it's maybe it's not overtly toxic in the way that it's, you know, you're being emotionally damaged, but you're not going to make the kind of money that you are, that your potential is working there until you find the right environment, the right team. That's, that can change everything. So I, I really appreciate that you said, said it like that. It's not like a cut and dry answer. It's literally comes down to your leadership, your values and how you hire people to build that dream team. And when people mm -hmm. leave, you take responsibility and you try and make it better, but you're also not going to take it personal. And, uh, you did, but yeah. Oh yeah. Just for like, I gave myself like a two week pity party. Um, cause it was a complete blind side and there was some, they came in overnight and like, it was, it was like a, it was like, oh, uh, it was so terrible. You know, I think so if you're going to be a salon owner, you got to just know you are going to have stylists leave and go and open up a salon. Like don't even open up a salon. If you're afraid of one of your stylists opening up a salon across the street, you just got to go in yep. with that expectation. It's going to happen. They're going to grow. They're going to outgrow you. They're going to want to make more. They're going to want to spread their wings. They're going to want to fly. And why not help them get there instead of creating something that's going to be a shit show for yourself down the road. But if you bring people on and they're open, upfront and honest about their dreams, their visions, their goals, then you can be there to support them in their journey for as long as they might be with you. And then when they're ready to spread their wings, you're now building a legacy rather than a competition in your city. Yes. And I, something that was told to me that helped me really like be okay with this is that you can plant the seeds. You can even water the seeds, but you may not be able to see the tree grow. And, you know, as in within your salon, um, you might watch them down the street and watch them grow. But, um, our mission is to put better hairstylists out into the world, whether they're in our salon or outside of our salon. So nice. for me, I just solidified that I'm still, I'm still being successful in my mission by sending them off because I've trained them well. That's awesome. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, that, that helped me kind of solidify that. Are you, you've only been a salon owner, like a brick and mortar for not even two years yet. So, but are you coaching other salon owners already? Are people reaching out to you, asking you for help? Because it sounds like you have it pretty buttoned up and together. So we, I've started a little bit of that, but I've got, I've got some irons in the fire because I don't just, I'm trying to not do time for dollars like I was yeah. with clients. So right. I've taken a few beta, um, you know, coaching clients, but I've taken on like a waxing owner. She owns a waxing studio, yeah. um, a nail salon owner, um, and then another hairstylist um, salon. She's kind of growing from a suite to a salon team. And I've done some beta testing. So I've coached them, um, just to get some market research, but I'm using that to like build out some programs, courses, eBooks, that type of thing. So I can nice. sell it digitally. Nice. Yeah. Cause you definitely got the goods on that stuff and you should be putting out something like that. Now, how did For you sure. get on, how did you get on the hair show? How did you get on the hairstylist? talent show like what where did that what was the show back in the day it was um with Tab sheer tabitha genius. coffee sheer genius so yeah, i haven't seen anything like even close to that until this 
Oh, I know. And I have been, I don't know. I mean, you know, the whole like manifesting or putting out into the universe, but I mean, I have been talking, I'm like, before it was even a, an offer, I'll tell you how I got it. But I mean, I was telling people, I was like, we need a new Tabitha takes over and we need like a ink masters for hair. Like we need, we need it. We need it. We need it. You've been saying it or journaling this, like you've been putting it out there. I don't know if I ever journaled it, but I, t- I would tell everybody like in my chair, I'd be like, we got it. We have to have something like this. Like I want yeah. it so badly. Yeah. Um, and then our shampoo rep came by one day and she was like, Hey, um, Alpha Parf Milano is, and it was a shampoo line, a wet line we were carrying in our salon. Yeah. She was like, they are sponsoring like a hairstylist competition TV show. You should audition. I was like, okay, wow. whatever. I'll give it a shot. Why not? Like I've wanted this forever. So why not just apply? Um, so I had to send like a two minute video and I actually sent it in on the last day that it was available because we were building our brick and mortar salon. We just had our one year anniversary. So it was this time last year I had filmed it. But I was so busy. I was like, okay, I just have to submit it, sent it in. And then a few weeks later, they contacted me saying that they chose me to come to New York city to do like an in live, uh, in-person live interview and hands-on practical, hmm. but I was already booked for a wedding in Cancun that same week. The auditions were like the day after the wedding. So I had to f- change my flights, fly out the night of the wedding, like did the hair flew out, get to New York to make this audition and there was 60 of us. Yeah, it was wild. Um, and mind you, this whole time, my family is not really on board with this. My husband is kind of like, you're going to do what? Like, there's no, this is season one. So there's no like, oh yeah, it's this show. Look at it. You know, take a look. This is their Instagram page. It's like, this is hush hush. You know, it's very, I get like very limited uh, information on it. And so he's like, so you're just going to fly to New York and you know, meet these people. And they want, it was like, it was on Broadway and Mm. the, some warehouse, he's like, you're going to go there. So he like walks me there. He's like, okay, put this air tag in your, in your purse and text me when you get up there, make sure it's legit. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that was getting (laughs) myself kidnapped. Um, I see a bunch of hairstylists, you know, you can see them, you can spot them out. And I was like, Oh, I see a bunch of hair. Yeah. I was like, Oh, we're Yeah. I was like, we're good. We're good. I think, at after least we'll all be taking time after a certain amount of time in the industry that you, uh, that's a hairstylist. Like just go. Ask oh yeah. Them. Oh yeah. She definitely are. Oh, yeah. they're going to hair school. Not yet, but still the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I spotted them out. I was like, okay, you know, if at least we get taken, we get all get taken together. And we uh, went up and we had to do a 30 minute fantasy updo in front of all these like judges and, and people like that. And then yeah, 30 minutes, which is, I mean, crazy. Yeah. So thank God I had watched a Sam via YouTube video on this like bubble, like updo situation, um, like the morning of. And so wow. I just put uh, ponytails all over the head and did the bubble braid kind of thing. And then just like pinned them all to the head and then threw a bunch of glitter on it. And I was like, that's fantasy for you. Um, so definitely that's not funny. my best work. But it worked out for me. So they had 60 of us show up 
to the live audition. And then after the practical, they said, we're going to cut half of you and 30 will come back for like an in-person audition. Wow. So, yeah. So I'm like waiting. I like go get a margarita because I'm just stressed afterwards. And I'm like, okay, just refreshing my email. Like, is it me? Is it me? Did I get it? And then sure enough, I got the call to come back to do the live in-person interview. And they, uh, it was my callback time was six and I didn't get interviewed till 9.30 PM. Uh, They actually forgot about me. So they were like, oh, you can go. And I was like, no, but I haven't even like done my interview yet. And I'm, I think that worked out in my favor because I was the last one to interview. So fresh on their mind. Um, And so I think that worked out in my favor. And then they were like, we'll call you back in two weeks. But two weeks went by, didn't get a call, was starting to get pretty disappointed. And then two more weeks go by and I get an email and they're like, you need to come to Spain. This is, we've, we selected you. We're going to film in Spain and it's in like six weeks. I'm like, oh my gosh. So, but 12 How of long, us. So you had to fly to Spain to film the whole thing? Mm-hmm. How long were you there? Um, just two weeks. We did it in two weeks. The whole show. Two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Six episodes. Um, so we did three, uh, an episode a day. Mm. Yeah. Okay. But they sent 12 of us. That, so 12 got selected to go to Spain, but only 10 were going to be on the show. So there's going to be two alternates and we didn't know who. And, um, and then one guy didn't get his passport in time. So only 11 actually ended up in Spain and then we had to do an in, an interview. So they separated the girls and the guys, and we had to do an interview in front of the producers and the rest of the castmates. And they stood everybody up. You had to stand up and say, introduce yourself and give them a secret. And after this interview, they were going to pick the alternate. Well, I knew there was four redheads and there was more girls than guys. So I was like, one of the redheads is going home for sure. So I knew, I figured I had like a 25% chance of like being an alternate. So Hmm. I was terrified and everybody, um, I was like towards the end of the whole secret thing and everybody was like trauma dumping. Like they were, they were crying. They're like, this is my secret. I, you know, I, when I was 16, I like ran away from home and, you know, got with a drug dealer or like, I'm a survivor of domestic. Yeah, no, crazy. So they were, like, these weren't like, like these weren't. They said, "Tell us a secret," and they're like, "Boom!" In therapy session, all of a sudden. Yes. Yeah. And I'm like, "Oh my god, what am I gonna say?" I'm like, "I don't really have secrets, but like, should I go?" Like, I'm like, ah, "What do I say?" And so I stood up, introduced myself, and then I was like, "My secret is that I can mimic animal noises really well, because." I can. It's like kind of my party trick. So I went with the that funny was your route. Was like maybe. Yes. That was it. That's what got it, you in. I was like, and so then I had did to they, go. Of did course. they have to make a sound? Did you have to make a sound? Should I, I, them should I, I ask you what the sound is? Can I'll you share? You. Can you do I, it? On? I mean, I, okay, I guess I will. I mean, I did, I did have to do it on TV. So I mean, you can't, tell, <laughs> you can't tell anybody that you make animal noises and not, it's going <laughs> to happen. Not. Can you do one? Right. Yeah. It's mostly when I've been drinking, like they, they do, they're, they're better when it's like a, you know, I'm loosened up. I don't really care what people think about me. Mm -hmm. Like the dog bark, super embarrassing. The cow moo, very embarrassing. 
embarrassing. Um, but like the bird, the birds are the least embarrassing and I can do two different birds. So I was, those are the ones I went with, but I will, I'll show you. So my, the first bird is pretty easy. It's just like a whistle. Oh, it's not coming through on the zoom. I don't think it's no! coming <laughs> It just sounded like the worst whistle ever. Oh no, it's a great bird whistle. I can do that. My, my, like, I don't know if it's a dove or not, but it's like, you know what you're, you know what, that, you know what it was. You, you just didn't have any drinks before this podcast. No, you're right. That's, you're right. That's I didn't... why the whistle didn't happen the right way. Yeah. But uh, that's hilarious. So you did your whistle and. Then yeah. And then they actually, no, they actually were like, we need more from you. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. It's like, I don't know. It's like, uh, I'm like, I married my first boyfriend. I was in Girl Scouts. So I was a senior in high school. Like, I'm like trying to give them some like weird random facts about me. Um, so after that, I really thought I was gonna be the one that left, but mm. thank God it was not, it was another redheaded girl. So I was right about the redhead. Yeah. Um, you know, she had, she, but she actually stayed in Spain and hung out, but she didn't, you know, get to be on the show. So that's kind of how it came to be. And then now you're doing the show. They do two weeks and you end up becoming a finalist, but what was that experience like? Was it stressful? Was it, was there awkward moments, embarrassing moments? And then we can kind of get to the meat of anything any spoilers you might want to give anybody? Okay. So it was, it was borderline traumatic. Hmm. Like it was, it was extremely stressful. Like, um, whatever you experienced emotion wise, just like magnify that by 50. So it started to get weird with the castmates. Um, we, st we hung out, we were all together for like a weekend before we started filming and it started to get weird. Like the day before people were like, so who do you think is the first one to go home? And I'm like, well, hmm. I'm not answering those questions. Like, mm -mm, nope, nope, not for me. Um, and so I started like, and I, I did video diary every day. Cause I was like, I got to remember this. Cause this stuff is like, this is weird. And thank God we were staying in hotel rooms separate from each other. Cause if we were in a house, I think I would have like lost it. I think I would have been like, I can't, can't do this. I do yeah. think about reality TV now in just like a whole different lens, but so it got a little weird with the castmates where I'm like, Hmm, okay. And then the first day was terrible, like terrible. So Why? we go in, it's a consultation challenge is our first challenge. It was terrible for me. I don't think it's terrible for anybody else. It was terrible for me. So we go in. And we're in Spain and it's a consultation challenge. And they tell us, hey, just so you know, um, one of the models doesn't speak English. She only speaks Spanish. And we have a castmate who does speak, she's bilingual. So I was like, oh, they're probably gonna put her with her. Nope, she was mine. Hmm. So Fine. I had to do a consultation challenge with somebody who can't. I can't speak to. So that was super challenging. She um, she had textured hair when she came in, but it was blown out. And 
I told her that with the new look I was going to give her, we we're going to go with her natural curl pattern and, you know, give her kind of like a fringy bob, but curly. Yeah. And they just told her to like smile and agree. So it looks like she's understanding what I'm saying. Wow. And I do my whole haircut and I'm not cutting a lot off because it's, it's blown out straight. So I'm like, I know it's going to shrink. So I do a little bit, you know, and the judges come by and they're like, we want to see a big difference. Okay. Like, and I was like, oh, it'll be a big difference because it's going to be curly and I get her wet. So do all the cutting dry, get her wet. And we have like 15 minutes left in the challenge. And I realized she has a freaking relaxer on her hair, but it's grown up. So like the roots are curly and then the ends are like straight. Oh. And it was no styling. Like we couldn't even style it. It was just like, I, cut it and that. Like, I was like, they're yeah. like judging a cut. It's not even done. It's that people were hair was still wet. Yes. That's yeah, it was terrible. That was weird. No, it was, I have very, I have a lot of thoughts and opinions on the challenges and I'm like, well, this doesn't make sense. I'm like, no, it's, it's definitely entertaining to watch. And I'm like, why are they judging haircuts? Yeah. So wet. I'm like, don't, don't they know dry? Don't lie. What the hell? Right. Yeah. And like a bob, you like Kyra's bob, like she needed to dry it and texturize it. Like it wasn't going to look good wet. So, yeah. or so that was well, like super stressful. That would have been stressful, especially the first time. And you're like trying to figure it out. Person yeah. Well, and then they, they told me I had to lie about it. They said, you can't, you can't say you like you couldn't communicate with her. We have this whole show looks like it's filmed in Chicago. Like the skyline is Chicago. We're not in Spain. So you can't say she didn't speak English. So I had to take it on the chin and lie, get raked over the coals, get in the bottom three to say that the, um, you didn't know that the I just had there. Yeah. yeah. I had a bad conversation. Wow. But you didn't get kicked off. So that was good. No. Yeah. 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 Thank goodness. I was like, cause that was my two goals. I'm like, don't be an alternate and don't be the first one off. Whatever happens after that I'm cool Again. with, but like, just don't be that. So that was just wild to me. So I, I was, I had a pretty much of a panic day that day where I was like, what am I doing here? This is so TV. Like I didn't expect it. I thought we were all, it was going to be like a fair and square with the best man win. And like, this is not it. And so I had a flight or fight moment where I was like, should I just run away? Like I see some mountains over there. Should I just like run towards those? Like I shouldn't be here. This is, wow. this is not good for me. Um, so that was very stressful. And like, I cried for probably two hours, like my castmates, the crew producers, everybody just saw me lose my cool. And the, they were filming the diary room. So in the diary room, you have to talk about what's happening as it's happening, but it's after. So you can't say, Oh, in the challenge, you know, I thought it's like, I'm currently in the challenge and this is what mm. I am thinking. Right. And so you're speaking so they about a past I, event and present tense. Yes. Okay. And, but I've already lost it. So I'm like bawling my eyes out and they're like, Whitney, you have to stop crying. And I was like, I wish I could, <laughs> like, if I could stop crying, I would. Um, and so I was like trying to dry it up for them, uh, and get out my diary room. So if you look closely in the diary room, you can tell that my makeup's like not the same. Cause I've been crying it off all day. And I, so I lost all, like, I was like, I'm not excited to be here. I'm like overwhelmed. My, my brain's not thinking clearly. It was the first day was really, really rough for me. Um, and then it ended up getting better and I started winning things and I was like, okay, okay, okay. We're good. We're good. Nice. Nice. And what was it like getting all the way to the final 
hour? So honestly, I'll just shoot you straight. I lost a lot of steam. Hmm. So we, it was pretty cool, right? You were like, okay, we're winning. Like I keep making it through. This is good. Um, but it's TV and we knew who the winner was going to be like halfway through. And so Mm. I had, we had an inkling. We didn't, it was not concrete, but we felt like this person was going to win. Like, do you think they already chose them as the winner? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so we, we had this like feeling and my, I had a bestie, his name was Bo in the show and him and I were like tight. And so when he got eliminated, I just kind of, I was like, why am I even here? And it was, what's crazy is like, they're not really going home. They're just all hanging out in Spain. So while we go submit ourselves to torture under high pressure, getting our work raked over the coals, all of our friends who just got kicked off are like going to Valencia or like Barcelona for the day. And so I'm like, no, literally, I was like, why am I here? (laughs) I don't want to do this. We all know Janice is going to win. And so we were like, we don't, we were all like, "Mm." And so I started to lose steam and I was like texting my family saying like, I don't really care anymore. Like, I'm just kind of over it. I, this, you know, and especially the last, um, challenges was more editorial work and Mm. things like that. I know how to do the regular woman's hair in like the suburbs. Like, I don't know how to do editorial fashion avant-garde stuff. And so I was worried that I wasn't going to be well suited for it anyways. And so I started to lose steam but overall, it was a really cool. I was glad I made it to every episode. I'm glad I made it to 11 out of the 12 challenges. And so mm-hmm. I was very much like proud of that for my journey. Yeah. But the feeling during that time, I was just kind of like, oh, I'm over it. I want to go hang out with my friends. They're all, they're yeah. all going to Barcelona for the day. <laughs> then you get kicked off and you had to go home. Yeah. And I got kicked. So we... I got kicked off in the final episode. And so we actually stayed um, and watched the whole finale go down. And so, and then that ended, there was like a post finale party on set. And then we didn't leave that set until midnight that day. And then my flight was at noon the next day to go home. So it was just crazy experience. Did that impact your career here at home? So I haven't seen too too much of a impact just yet i think it's gonna be a slow burn um i mean it's affected me personally if you're talking about like exposure things i don't know if it's been too much of an exposure type of you know change in my life yeah um but personally it affected me as far as like i know now like doing the editorial work i realized that i have a passion I never knew about Mm. with editorial work and it was so fun it was so creative and I realized that hairstylists don't often have the opportunity to work on editorial hair unless you like know somebody who knows somebody in fashion week it's kind of hard to like get into that and clients aren't really going to pay you to do their hair editorial they're actually going to ask you to take it down before they leave the salon probably so I started brainstorming about like, how can we get more opportunities for hairstylists to do editorial work and kind of just get your creative juices out in that way. And so my 2024 project is working on 
hosting a fashion show in my town, my city in Fort Worth nice. and uh, doing some sort of like themed avant-garde, like bring all the creatives together. Let's, you know, do something really fun, do kind of a fashion show and like do some awards and things like that. So yeah. that's, that kind of inspired my next project. So I think in that way, the show's impacted me. And of course, like the connections I've made, like <clears throat> getting to know Rihanna and Nikki from 90 one or 9021 whatever that their salon is in yeah. LA um they they're well connected people and yeah. so now i now i can say that me and john stamos are besties there you because go. he <laughs> watched the show and he tagged the show and i'm like that means he knows who i am so um so things like that where i'm like okay there's there's been yeah. some cool things i met shakira's hairstylist nice um Ooh out there so i mean there's things like that that have definitely like impacted me or i've been a little starstruck and been like oh my gosh this is crazy and um but i think it's really inspired me to kind of work on other projects besides just like owning the hair salon and doing hair yeah i think what's cool about it is that one you're saying hey i i we need to have another show so in a way you kind of manifested that but the other thing is i don't know if you know oscar bond uh he he's a former creative director for aveda vidal sassoon um I mean, he's, he's, he's one of the, he's a Naha award winner. His wife is also, but they're, they're like, if you know, Oscar bond, he was kind of one of those big time hairstylists before Instagram influencer hairstylists. Uh, and he still travels around and educates. But one thing that he said to me when we were doing a class together was he said, I always said yes. In the beginning of my career, I just said, yes. If somebody had an opportunity for me, whether I was super excited about it or not, I just said yes. And he said, I kept meeting more people. I kept making more connections and more doors opened for me to say yes to as well. And he attributes his success in being an extremely well-known hairstylist, maybe in the previous generation, but still well-known, still traveling and teaching after all this time. He attributes his success to just saying yes to the doors that open in front of you and seeing what happens. That's what you did. Yeah, I I completely agree. And my mom had told me when, before I was going to the show, she's like, you're so brave. Like, I can't believe you're doing this. You're so brave. And to me, I was like, brave. What are you talking about? Like anybody going to Spain? What are you talking about? Yeah. I was like, this is, I'm going to yeah, Spain. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, this is awesome. Like, I think anybody would say yes to this opportunity. Um, and then after the fact, I was like, oh, now I know why she said I was brave because that was a little rough, but it's that saying mm -hmm. yes to those things that might have scared other people. I mean, like, I don't want to put myself yeah. out there. Like what if the exposure is negative? And there was, there, I, there are some of my castmates that got some negative, um, feedback after the show. And yeah. so are things, you know, you put yourself out there in in a way that could be risky, but um, it pays off. So I agree with Oscar. I think just saying yes and and following your path, following what excites you, like maybe don't say yes to like something that doesn't bring you a lot of joy or gets you excited, but oh, yeah, um, yeah. say yes to something that might scare you a touch. Yeah. I think if you think, of, if you think about it too much, sometimes you're not going to jump off the cliff. So you just need to kind of dive in and figure it out. And obviously we're not saying yes to everything. You know, there are, the, it's within a career path is what we're talking about, but Anyway, well, I really, I appreciate you being on here and sharing your story with us. And I mean, we talked, we covered a lot. I feel like we could talk for another couple hours. What, what do you, 
want to say to people before we finish up and how can they connect with you when they're done listening? So I think I'd like to tell the audience, my fellow hair industry people that times are changing, but it's not to be scared of them. This is the time to, um, we have this opportunity to build out the type of hair industry we wanted um, when we first started or the type of industry that we want to see for the future. And so it's time that we be the trailblazers and we make the industry that we want and go beyond that cutting edge of let's design this in the best way possible. Let's show people who we can be as hairstylists and um, beauty industry people. And so that's my, my challenge to everybody is like, let's Let's not get lost in what was, but let's design what's to come. Okay. And people can find me on Instagram. It's at Wit Kilpat. Just shorten my name. It's W H I T K I L P A T. And I've got all things on my Instagram, so you can awesome. find links and all of that. Cool. Yeah, I'll I'll put the link to your Instagram as well as as well as the uh, TV show link. You can go yeah. check their Instagram out as well. But thank you so much for being on and I look forward to talking to you again soon.